Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We have the A-Team talking about the NBA. Joining me in Oakland um, is Band McMahon. We are on the Warriors Trailblazers series. Game two is tonight. And joining us from Boston, uh, site of Trail of Tears and Angry Feelings mm. and Terry Rogier uh, Burns is uh, Jackie McMullen. Hello, Jackie. Hello, Brian. And hello, Tim. And howdy, Andrew howdy. and Tarika. Everybody. Hello. Yes, welcome. Andrew Hahn in LA and Tarika in Bristol. Um, I will say this um, Jackie McMahon was so diligently working last night uh, on his uh, Damian Lillard feature that he declined to watch the game with me. He Really? He wow. stayed in his I mean, room and worked. I had to Good turn you, around man. like. You know, I hate to say it, we had to turn around for game two because of a fear that there won't be a return to Oakland Ouch. for the, Ouch. you know, yes. for the Brookfield native. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. You know, I understand he, um, these things. He's told some stories about his childhood um, here in Oakland um, where he said he used to used to walk to it, it it's oracle arena is not the type of arena that i would think you could walk to very easily unless it was from the bart station um because it is it is bordered by um a highway and a railroad track and uh like an industrial area there's a gi- jackie there, right across the street from oracle arena now there's a gigantic marijuana dispensary um, well that was never the- there before well, not not. It didn't have a sign on it, at least. Oh, um, I called see. Blunts, called Blunts and More. Okay, it's I will em- not be it's, visiting. It's, not visiting. It's an, empo- it's an emporium. Um, I might have to do but, some uh, research over there. I will say <laughs> but, that I will say that hemp is coming to our home, though. No, not hemp. I'm sorry. The cannabis oil is coming to our home for for a certain marathoner whose knees are not recovering as well as we'd like. So there you listen. go. It's 2019. Um, so we'll talk about last night what happened in Milwaukee. Um, boy, I thought that was on the tee for the Raptors. Um, Should have been. Should have been. I felt like uh, the, the goal for the Raptors in this series, especially the games in Milwaukee, would be get them to the last five minutes um, where, you're, where you're in contention and let Kawhi try to win it for you. Because I just think that the Raptors are going to be a better half-court team. Um, than the Bucks uh, under pressure, and that was the exact inverse last night. The Raptors under pressure in the half court couldn't get it done. The Bucks defense was tip top, and under the pressure, uh, Giannis, even though he only had one basket in the fourth quarter, he made a couple of big plays in the half court, um, and setting up the, 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 the shot, the play that uh, pretty much clinched the game. Uh, and clinched the greatest game of Brooke Lopez's career, Jackie. Um, he drives in and kicks it back to him, and he hits about a, I don't know, maybe a 27-footer. Um, that was a long three, uh, boy. Yeah. I just, I, I, especially the way Kyle Lowry played last night, I, I feel like the Raptors had to take that one. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And, and it's funny, I was thinking about Brooke Lopez because, you know, way, way back when I did that, um, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets story when they were just starting out and they just weren't going to win any games. And, and the big debate was, should we trade Brook Lopez? Because, um, you know, we might be able to get something for him. But at the same time, he's just this wonderful, positive influence on our team. And, uh, and of course, they did end up trading him at the end, you know, 2017 to the Lakers. But I always thought that um, that just... He had a place in the playoffs. 
And, you know, he just was on these teams and he really hasn't had the opportunity to show that. Now, the three-point thing, we've discussed that already. That's just that's just an, incredible how he's managed that. That's really amazing to me. But I, the thing that I, I thought about Brian was as good as Lowry was, like at the very end of the game, and I know that I, the stat was incredible that Tim Bontemps had 0 for 15 for everybody else in the fourth quarter. Are you serious? I, they look tired to me. Kawhi Leonard, for all the load management, looked exhausted mm. to me at the end of right. that game. Should have sat out game one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, Nick Nurse, uh, you know you've, you've scored, McMahon, when you get Jackie to laugh like that. Uh, no, that's, that's the funny. first. I, no, no, it Nick Nurse, You're uh, funny. Nick Nurse denied uh, that he thought his team was tired, but I thought that was kind of bogus, McMahon. Well, look, I thought, you know, and look, I mean, obviously the Blazers have a long, long, long list of problems and matchup issues with the Warriors and talent difference and all that, but I thought they were tired in game one. To to have that game seven down to the wire and then have to travel, turn around, and play a game one, you know, the, that quickly, and the Raptors actually got an extra day. The, the, the Blazers essentially was a, what, a day and a half turnaround. I mean, right. that that's tough. Uh, you hear about schedule losses in the regular season. I, I'd like to look up the, uh, well, I don't want to look up the numbers. I'd like ESPN stats and information to, to show me the numbers. I got to imagine teams that play a game seven and then travel to play a game one against a team that's had some time off don't have a real good record. When I was in Denver for that series, uh, remember, they, they just were the kings of Game 7s, and they had come off their Game 7 series to, to then play the Blazers. And what, what, what Mike Malone said to me, and I thought it was interesting, he said, you know, Game 1, we didn't even have time to think about it. We just had to, like, get on the plane. You know, we just had to we, just get mm-hmm. ourselves organized and play. He said it, all, it caught up to us in Game 2. That's when we realized, wow, we've been playing a lot. This is, you know, and that was a game they got, that, that they lost. I mean, they lost Game 7 also. But that was interesting to me. Fatigue yeah, is always that... There's always that thing um, teams pack, you know, in this situation, they pack for a week. Um, you know, like Portland left, you know, their home and went to Denver and said, we're going to pack for a three-game trip. Uh, right, cause, right. You know, and, and so there's that sort of that mental thing that you do. And I just remember, and this is just me personally, my coverage career, uh, the Cavs, when LeBron won the MVP uh, the first time, uh, they went 8-0 the first two rounds of the playoffs, completely demolished both teams that they played, and they had to wait for a Celtics-Magic seven-game series. The Magic won in Boston in Game 7. Uh, Dwight Howard, the peak of his powers, and then came to Cleveland mm-hmm. two days later, same situation, and stunned the Cavs, beat him, and took leverage on that series. So I've seen it happen before, but in general, I think you're right, McMahon, that the recovery from that is difficult. Um, in Toronto's case, they were at home, and they did get an extra day off. So if there was a team that, you know, they didn't, ha- they got two days off instead of the one. Um, if there was a team that was positioned to overcome it, it was Toronto, plus it was an easy trip. It was, you know, it's it's an hour flight from Toronto to Milwaukee, so it's it's right. not like going from Houston to to the West Coast. Yeah, but, um, it's it's a whole new country. <laughs> That's right. Stop! Stop! You're so right. Hey, just Most quickly because I looked it up. United States. Just quickly because I did look it up just to further my point for my friend Brooke Lopez. Uh, he has played in 23 career playoff games, 10 of them this year. Just to give you an idea. Wow! Amazing. Okay. I was going to say, a Lopez stat I love, uh, and I'm trying to find it, Malik Andrews, he grabbed 11 rebounds yesterday. That's right. That's his most since, uh, come on, Malik, where is that stat? I know I read it. 
since October 2017. Oh my god, I didn't know that. <laughs> he's a, I mean, he's a seven foot oak tree big man. Well, that was the, the knock on him. So he always, always he yeah. came into the league. You know, he was. I, I remember a couple of things about his career. One, uh, they were they were trying to trade him for Dwight Howard. Remember, the Nets thought they were going to get mm-hmm. Dwight Howard, and his agent kind of pulled a power play when he was a free agent. He was like, "Look, you're either you're either going to sign my guy right now, or we're going to go somewhere else." And so they had to sort of give up on their pursuit of Dwight Howard and signed him to a max contract. And then. You know he he had good numbers, but he never rebounded. His rebounds per minute yeah. was always one of the lowest in the league, and it used to drive people crazy. Then he started to have foot injuries, and he was breaking the navicular bone. And he had the yeah. re- the reconstructive surgery where they basically reposition your heel to take pressure off the arch Eesh. of your foot. And there's a history of those working. The one that it worked on that I know the most is Adrenas Ogalskis. They basically broke his his heel and put it back into place, and he ended up having a career and got to two All-Star games. And then there's Yao, who they tried it on, and it did not work. He rebroke the foot again, and it was over. So Brooke Lopez, I want to say maybe seven, eight years ago, six, seven years ago, basically was like, well, if this surgery works, he'll be good. If it doesn't work, his career's over. Right. Yeah, and it's worked. But you've forgotten. You've forgotten one important navicular bone guy. Joel Embiid, right? Mm. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, and that I guess we could say I guess we can say the jury's still out, but it looks to me like the the, the foot isn't going to be his problem; it's going to be that knee. But we're off topic, right? That's right. Which we do. So, um, so, so not only has he survived that career-threatening injury, but he's now transformed himself to a stretch five, and. Guys, uh, he's making three million dollars this year. We don't have to oh, go over the fact that, and uh, and as Bobby Marks pointed out, didn't sign till July seventeenth. Wasn't like he was like, oh, you know, I really feel like, like my fit in Milwaukee, and I'll go there and I'll play for less money and, and, and invest in the long run. Nobody wanted him for three weeks, and and in today's day and age, I mean, July seventeenth signings, you know, seven, eight, ten years ago weren't that didn't really reflect reflect on you as a player. Now, July 17th, like adjusted to the current way free agency works is like August 20th, you know, it it was in like Mm -hmm. in 2013. So there wasn't anybody who really even was all that interested in him. And so uh, McMahon, how much money do you think in Milwaukee is going to be limited in what they can pay because they only have very limited rights? Right. How much can Milwaukee pay him? Because they need to pay him all that they can. Because to me, after Middleton, uh, I think Lopez is far and away their most important free agent to keep, you know, more so than Brogdon, more so than Miritich. And, and we've talked about this. Like, his one philosophy doesn't rebound. Well, Giannis is the best rebounding forward in the game, so that that's fine. Everything he does Bledsoe well. Bledsoe rebounds well, too. Yeah, and, and everything does. Lopez does well stretches the floor, protects the rim. I mean, he is such a perfect complementary piece to Giannis that I just can't imagine Milwaukee not doing everything within, you know, that franchise's power to keep him. And, you know, everything I can tell is he's absolutely just happy as could be uh, to be playing with the Bucks. You know, and he is, like, I haven't dealt with him a whole lot, but, oh, but he greatest. is quite a character. He is no, a, he's the best. Uh, yeah, he's I mean, best. just a great personality, a great fit, basketball, sure. locker room. And, he got uh, the walk-off you know, you, interview last night. How about okay, how about that I, for and, an upset? 
And you know what, guys? I was laughing because remember I told you once on this pod that he talks really loud. Didn't yeah. he talk really loud in that post-game interview? <laughs> like you never say to him, hey, I hear this guy on your team has got PDs. Which guy on my team has PDs? You know, he's a, he's a wonderful guy. Even when things were going bad in Brooklyn, he, he was positive. Which it's, it's why they grappled so much with trading him because he was someone that, that mattered to them for the culture they were trying to build. He was, an, he was the ultimate pro. I'm happy. Wait, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing the Lakers got rid of him. Wait, Jackie, right. which which team on which player on his team has PEDs? <laughs> Andrew, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Com- uh, do you want me to tell you which one on our team has PEDs? Oh, I'll it's tell you McMahon. About the commercial break. That, that's yeah. McMahon for sure. We know. Uh, I didn't. They ain't working that well then. The one thing that Tim brought up that uh, the Lakers could have used him in uh, in Dave McMenamin's Year One compilation of LeBron, he points out. At the end of March, Brooke Lopez had more threes made already than the Lakers' leading three-point uh, scorer, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Brooke Lopez had 181, and KCP at the time had 127. He finished with 150, so the Lakers probably could have cool. used that. Yeah, well, that's we know that. That's <laughs> that's beating a, you know, a dead transaction. Um but it'll be interesting with the Bucks. I mean, they um, they do have technically they do have some cap space, but they're really not going to functionally have it because I think they're going to re-sign Chris Middleton. And oh depending on what they do with Malcolm Brogdon, um, they may or may not be in the luxury tax. But if they if they give um, if they if they give Lopez the full mid level, which would be I think around eight million dollars. They would hard cap themselves, and I just don't think that's smart for that team to do. So I think the best they could offer him would be the taxpayer mid-level, which I don't Man, even have in front of me. Can we oh, let Bucks fans just enjoy the Eastern Conference yeah, Finals before we, we start stripping their can team Can we also down? play – I'm going to play Come devil's on, advocate Randy. on this too. What if they win the championship, Brian? You still think it's unwise to keep this core together? Oh, no, no, no. I think they're keeping together. I'm just saying that there's there's not a lot of functional – there's not that much money to pay Brooke, is what I'm saying. So, I, I bet okay, you yeah. Brogdon ends up leaving, but we'll get to that. Uh, well, he's restricted. Say, he's restricted. Yeah. So, man, you guys are cavalier about Mal- Mal- Malcolm Brogdon, El Presidente. I don't want him gone from my team. He's five years I younger than Brooke Lopez but, but, and, has, and has a different skill set for sure. But he's yeah, a guy you very attractive skill set to teams that have cap space, which is the issue. I just think he's gonna. I think someone's gonna put a big, big offer on the table for him, and it's you know, and and maybe the Bucks ownership steps know. up he's, and says we're keeping he's it together. Got, he's got some red flags on his uh, yeah the on foot, the foot stuff. I, I understand. One, one thing I will say about this series, uh, you know, I know that this is sort of a, a tiresome topic, but if Giannis is going to be allowed to travel, the Raptors are not going to have a chance because they are letting him get away with. At least they were last night. They're letting him get away with pretty significant travels as he goes to the basket. And um, uh, it was driving the Raptors absolutely insane last night. I, I was paying attention to the postgame to Nick Nurse to see if he would say anything. He did not. Um, I'm smarter than that. Uh, you know what I thought was interesting in this game, Brian, early on especially. You know, I'm watching, 
and and Giannis gets positioned pretty easily, goes in, does that little spin move, and there's somebody there waiting for him. And it really threw him off in the first in the first several minutes of this game. They were double, you know, double and sometimes even triple time teaming him once he got into the paint. And when he went to go make that signature spin move, somebody was right there, often um, a very big wall of Marc Gasol. And I thought, wow, they found a good way to slow him down. But but then he just was like, all right, I'm just going to use my Euro step or stepsa according to you yeah. and and I'm going to just plow right through and see how I go and guess he, he went pretty well here's my uh, question for you guys if you're the Raptors are you concerned about Kawhi Leonard's morphing into a volume shooter that's it's not a particularly you know he, he I looked it up he up before this season the postseason the most he ever shot in a in a game you know he averaged around 16 16.3 16.4 shots a game he's close to taking 22 shots a game here and not at a particularly high high percentage do you if you're if you're the Raptors do you worry about that or not just asking yeah I I found the Raptors I worry about how hot and cold that Lowry, Gasol, and Serge Ibaka seem to be. All three of them have nights where they are all contributing and playing at a high level, and they look terrific. And then they all have nights where they completely go into hibernation. And, like, that's really hard. So, like, last night they got just couldn't get anything out of Gasol and Ibaka. And Ibaka was great in Game 7. And this is where they are. And so the, so I think part of it is Kawhi's like, look, I, I don't know necessarily. Even, even Siakam. Um, has gone hit and miss, at least offensively. So right, I don't know. Right. P- part of it is I think Kawhi's like, look, I know what I can do every night. Uh, I'm going to try to be the mainstay. And that's one of the things. They're just they're very inconsistent offensively, um, which is worrisome. But the, yeah, their bench the, really let them down. Their bench let them down. Saying, you know, Fred Van Vliet, one of my favorite players, I keep waiting. I keep waiting. I know he had injuries early, and it's just it feels a little bit like a lost playoffs. year for him. Yeah, he's had, he's had a, yeah, hasn't had a great year, really, you know. So, you know, the, the volume yeah. stuff with Kawhi has really been these last two games: thirty-nine shots, twenty-six shots. That's the two most he's taken in the playoffs. Um, our guy Siakam is is uh, you know he's gone from uh, a star to a guy who hadn't been that efficient in these last uh, in these last few. They need to get Siakam rolling again, and then maybe Kawhi doesn't have to shoot at such volume. Yeah. yeah, I well, think Siakam's I, hurt, but that's just me. I think he's got yeah. something going on there. We'll see. You know, he's uh, we'll drop us something there. Um, okay, so moving out to um, the West series, there's a new thing happening in the NBA. There's an arms race of sorts, and it's kind of secret unless you're actually at these games. These teams are doing these higher and higher level giveaways during the playoffs. Now you've seen the shirts that you get for every game. But more and more teams are upping the ante with surprise gifts as part of promotional stuff. The other day in Oakland, every single fan got a beautiful piece of technology that cost over a million dollars to give everybody away. And everybody was stunned and they loved it. So coming to these games not only is a great uh, viewing experience, but sometimes it's an investment to get free stuff. Who knows when we'll go full Oprah and everybody's going to get a car. It could only be that far, uh, not that far away. Uh, if you want to get into a great NBA playoff game or any uh, event this time of year, the place to go is Vivid Seats. They're an online marketplace dedicated to providing all you fans of live entertainment with those experiences that last a lifetime. And of course, maybe some free giveaways too. With Vivid Seats, our listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person the best way to do it. Um, and Vivid Seats helps fans get to those events. And by the way, it's not just sports. It's concerts and theater. 
plus more. They offer a great price and good purchasing experience. That's the most important thing. The experience so that you doesn't a headache to get the seats. My listeners can get a 10% discount off their first purchase of Vivid Seats by using the code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. And those Vivid Seats are all confirmed and backed with a 100% guarantee. So to get that deal, go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. And again, those first-time customers can enter promo code HOOPS to receive 10% off your first order. We had interesting back and forth. Uh, if, if, if the Blazers were a higher-profile team, uh, it's hard. It's weird to say that because um, they're, in the West uh, Finals. they're in the West Finals. There was a pretty significant back and forth between their coach and their and their players about their defensive strategy in Game One. They pretty right. much flat out contradicted themselves, um, and we reported on it, but it got zero traction or interest. Um, so. What the what the uh, Blazers elected to do, to use the terminology, was drop on um, on on screen on on screen. So the first play of the game, the the Warriors' very basic game plan point, they put Ennis Cantor in a pick and roll, and Steph Curry came off of the screen, and Cantor, instead of stepping up or hedging or trying to do anything, just literally stayed back at the foul line. And right. Steph took a shot where he was open by eight or nine feet. And he missed that shot. But they were like, oh, is that how they're going to play? And, you know, this is the old can't play canner um, mm-hmm. scenario. He's just – he's one of the worst defending big men in the pick and roll in the NBA. Has been for a long time. And so what Terry Stotts – if you're playing Steph Curry. And Clay Thompson. Um, but what they basically elected to do was, was – and by the way, it wasn't just – Cantor. The same thing happened when Zach Collins was out there. Zach Collins played way back. And Steph, you know, not all of his three-pointers came off of pick and rolls, but I think but five six of the of, nine did. Was it five? According, yeah. to, according to Terry Stotts, he hit five threes. He said they ran 20 Steph pick and rolls. He scored on five of them. They were all threes. And Terry admitted yesterday after getting testy about it in his post-game press conference. First, he apologized to our pal Anthony Slater, who wasn't there to accept the apology. but uh, And then he admitted that they need to, as he said, revisit the strategy that they used against the pick and roll. The players were wanting to revisit it on the bench during the game. So, uh, And, you know, what what Stotts' point was is the, through three quarters, the uh, Warriors had only scored, I think, 77 points, and they were only, I think it was 77-71 after three. I think that was the number. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, that's a manageable number, and, you know, we'll take our chances. Of course, the Warriors scored, I think, 39 in the fourth. Yeah, and, uh, and he pointed out yesterday, too, that they scored 39 in the fourth, and Steph did not score out of a pick and roll in the fourth. So his point was kind of a, he was kind of danced around to make the point of, look, if you think pick-and-roll defense was our only problem, <laughs> we've got some other things to figure out. But that's, that's something that's that, is, that, is a, but that is a big problem. They have to figure out. They can't let Steph shoot into or step into, you know, warm-up shots. Uh, and honestly, I, you know, the whole can't-play-canner thing, yes, they use the same strategy as Zach Collins, but he is capable of playing that in, in a lot of different ways. I think they're going to have to play Zach Collins at center a lot of minutes to have any hope in this series. Here's what else they did. 
um, they double teamed Canner a lot when he got the ball in the interior because yeah, uh, Canner yeah. Canner scored a lot. Canner is mm-hmm. there, there, there's stuff that he does really well. He's a, he's a good scorer. He's a elite offensive rebounder. Um, he's a tough guy, um, but he's not a good passer either. He's only averaged one assist a game in his career. So one of the things that they were doing is like, look, we're going to double this guy because we want to take him away. We want to take that option away, and we don't think he can beat the double team. And uh, I don't have the stats but I uh, in front of me, but I do know he was double teamed more in the first half of that game than he was in any full game in the entire postseason. I don't have the final stats, but they, I think they double teamed him six times just in the first half alone. So um, that was definitely a strategy point. These are the things that happen in series, the ebb and flow. They'll be more ready for that stuff. Uh, but you're not going to win a playoff game in Oakland when Steph Curry makes nine three-pointers. I, I mean, well, you're I, also, I just you're also You're also not going to make a, a playoff, win a playoff game anywhere if you shoot 36% and you shoot 25% from threes and your best player takes 12 shots. And you Damian turn it Lillard over took, 21 times. Right, 21 times. Like Lillard can't Lillard, have more – he can't have more turnovers yeah. than buckets. That ain't going to work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like really glaring. So well, The Lillard thing is – He's to me. He looked low energy. Now the retort that I got to that when I brought it up to some Blazers people was, "Well, they were throwing the kitchen sink at him. They were hard doubling, mm-hmm. and we just didn't have we didn't have good spacing. Even when they had lineups out there with shooting, they didn't have good spacing." Uh, Seth Curry. Not that Seth Curry is a guy who you're really going to super rely on. Um, he only was, I think, one of eight or one of seven. He didn't have seven. a good game. Yeah. Yeah, um, they're also not going to win Mc- a Seth McCullum. Curry. He can get outplayed by Steph, but not by Quinn Cook. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Um, McCollum didn't shoot the ball well either. I mean, he, no, he, no. They were they were, we're pretty gonna have, down. We're going to have a hard time finding good things that the Blazers did in Game One. Mo Harkless, um, Mo Harkless had 17 points. There you go. That's true. Rodney Hood had 17 points. What didn't? Or how many points did Rodney Hood have? Uh, yeah, oh, 17. Wait. I think you're right. Rodney yeah. Hood's been amazing. Off his He's bad been amazing. Knee. Yeah, that was yeah, great. He's been really good. So the interesting thing that's happened with the Warriors, I have a story um, that's posted right now about this. Um, they're having a blast playing without Durant. Um, there's mm-hmm. way more guys involved. Um, there's nine or ten guys playing. There's nine or ten guys scoring. Uh, Quinn Cook, who was nailed and bolted to the bench the first couple rounds, is getting big shots, getting big shots. Jonas Urebko is hitting and getting big shots. Uh, Kevon Looney's uh, entire you know situation has opened up. They even may even start playing Damian Jones, who hasn't played in five months because of injury. He may even start getting some more minutes or getting some minutes. Um, in game one, this was a stat that was – unearthed by our stats and info the uh warriors had three isolations for the entire game three isolation wow. plays. that is the lowest mm. of any game in the steve kerr era playoffs or regular season it is wow. basically the type of basketball that steve kerr wants to play and that steph and clay were meant to play they are having a blast playing this way but and Steph absolute, is back to being arguably the MVP of the league in these last couple games. <laughs> yes, Iguodala has he had a, a five three pointer game in the first game in, in the in the game in Houston they play without him. Um, uh, he's getting open looks because teams are forced to throw. It's one thing that didn't happen in game one. Uh, the, uh, the 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 Rockets double team Steph, and it resulted in a zero point half, but also resulted in Iguodala hitting five threes. Um, and then also 
he scored 33 in the second half. Is Terry Stotts reminding the world after? That's true, but he scored zero in the first half. Although he did have foul trouble. Um, so uh, the, the, but yet they're all staying on message. Like you go straight down the line: uh, Clay, Steph, Draymond, uh, Kerr, uh, Quinn Cook. They're you know Quinn Cook's a guy who couldn't get on the court, and yet is waxing poetic about how wonderful Kevin Durant is. They have absolutely stayed on message to make sure that they do not make any. Uh, concept that they are somehow in a better place without Durant. Uh, have you tried like Bogut? Bogut's usually one who will, who will go off message. You know what? I haven't Bogut. talked to Bogut. That's yeah. I mean, it so, can be a it can be a difficult experience, but but you know, go knocking on that on that uh, door. Yeah. So so, um, it's amazing how that you know, and I think there's there's twofold, right? Because one, the reality is that they may need Durant. In this postseason, they hit a rough patch they, against the Clippers. Minute, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! They may need Durant. Of course, they need Durant. Stop this! Right. Just stop it. I mean, he was well, Finals stop. MVP the last two years. They will I, I, face goodness. either Giannis or Kawhi Leonard, assuming agree. they get I, to the finals. I, I agree. I'm just telling right now. They're all walking on air, and they're 27 and one in the last 28 games they've played with Steph and without Kevin. And so I'm just saying, like, they're all staying on message. So not only do you, do you have the reality that they're, that they're probably going to need him, but secondly, of course, he's a free agent, and he's a guy who's sensitive to these sorts of things. So they have – I don't know if there's a team-wide memo or if it's just unsaid, but they have to a man, except – in, in fairness, McMahon, I have not asked Bogut, to a man done nothing but praise – uh, Kevin, which they should. The guy is awesome, and he was awesome before he got hurt. He was he was averaging like almost forty a game. Yeah, it was uh, arguably the best player in the playoffs. Yeah, right. And uh, and it's this isn't a, this isn't a Kyrie situation where he was barking at his teammates and right. you know not sharing the ball. And I mean, the, this is just you know a guy that got hurt. That's that seems to be the best player in the postseason every season. So, but it's just an I, unusual position for a team to be in. No, I, I um, appreciate that. I appreciate that, but. Um, so, Jackie, I wanted you to uh, – what did you think of the way the lottery went down the other night? Oh, my gosh. I was so excited because the day before and around the horn, I had declared that if there were any basketball gods and there was – Karma. If that, and karma, that the New Orleans Pelicans should get that number one pick. And I'm, I'm very thrilled for them that they did. I also think – and you know this, Brian – um, there's been a lot of angst the last few months, especially this year, among the small market teams and their owners. And I'm, I've heard it, and I'm sure you have too, that, that the system, that this revenue sharing system is broken and that the, the small market teams have no chance. And I think this was probably, I don't know, but if you gave Adam Silver Truth Serum, he probably is okay with this. Now, I know you like oh, your yeah. stars in big markets. That's always been the case. You know, New York, Chicago, that would have been great. The young corn Phoenix. But there's some, there's certainly some poetic justice to this, and just the drama of it. You know, watching the L.A. You know, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I was thinking, I wasn't even thinking about the Lakers, and I'm like, wait, they're in the top four. Where were they before? And I had to go look and say they were 11. And I, you know, you're thinking about the Bulls and and the Suns and the Cavs, and you, you know, your heart bleeds for them a little bit because, it, you know, couldn't have gone any worse for them. That's for sure. Yeah, I always the, the four minutes. I think it's usually a four minute commercial break, but the the four minutes between the um, the establishment of the uh, the losing teams in the lottery and the winning teams every year mm-hmm. is some of the most intense four minutes of the entire NBA year. And this one was amazing because we had four teams instead of three, 
And we had the two biggest markets and the two smallest markets who were right, in the lottery. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, am, I am very surprised that Zion has not signed a shoe deal yet um, because, you know, uh, it, it's hard for me to handicap the field because Nick DePaula has, I believe, said that there could be like seven or eight bidders and maybe just the bidding with all the Chinese companies will drive the price so high that the location will really not matter. But the difference in a shoe deal between being in a market like New York or L.A. and being in a market like New Orleans or Memphis is dramatic. I mean, let's just be real. And so uh, I would have thought is that it? The, wait, 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 why? Oh, why? Yeah, why? Why? Oh, oh, oh yes, absolutely. What's, Russell, what's Russell's why? shoe no. deal? Well, what's first off, what was, Le, what was LeBron's shoe deal in Cleveland? Yes, well, but LeBron did the deal before he got to... He did the deal before the lottery. Zion is bigger than Zion is going to be one of these guys. I'm going to say that is bigger than any team that he plays for. That I mean, maybe Shaq true. in Orlando. Shaq in Orlando. It, Shaq didn't sell that many shoes. It may be true. Well, that's because big men that, don't sell shoes. Okay, it may be true that it doesn't make that much of a difference. But I promise you, it's better for marketing to have to be in New York versus New Orleans. I promise you that it is. Um, and so I, I thought, boy, the perfect time for Zion to do a shoe deal was in that four minutes. They should, they should have said, everybody get your sealed binding bids in right now because it was a 50% chance of New York or L.A. and a 50% chance of the two smallest markets. And, um, you know, what, What's the over-under on his shoe deal? What's the over-under on his shoe deal? I, see, this is the thing, McMahon. I have no 100 million? Idea. McMahon, here's wow. the thing. Here's the thing. Basketball shoes are not popular right now. Um, shoes are not selling like they like they did seven eight years ago. Now I can't explain to you why they're not popular. I, I don't have my pulse on the fashion. I just you know people are not buying basketball shoes to not play basketball in like they were earlier. E- uh, even the Jordan brand, which is the just the gold standard uh, of all time basketball shoes, th- their sales just are not that good. Um, relative to what they have been. Trust me, nobody's getting fired. Um, but the, the, the bidding for shoe deals has cooled off to that. You know, one of the things that's happened is Steph Curry's Under Armour shoes have not sold that well. Um, uh, you know, as popular as he is, that, you know, Under Armour's stock has been getting destroyed and hammered because part of the reason is their basketball shoes just aren't selling. So it's not the greatest time to look for a shoe deal. That said, this guy is brings so much promise and is so electrifying. He's probably the most bankable um, kid to come into the NBA since LeBron in terms of the shoe market. And like you know, LeBron had three bidders. Uh, Nick DePaula, I think, has said there's going to be seven or eight for him. I'm just surprised he hasn't gotten a shoe deal yet. But we'll move past the market. That's not important. Uh, ultimately, whether he gets sixty million or whether he gets a hundred million, it does not going to change the NBA. It's going to he's still going to be filthy rich. Um, the thing that's interesting to me, Jackie, is beyond the first pick. Mm-hmm. Knicks at three, Lakers at four, Celtics go from having like a, a chance at the ninth and fourteenth picks. If I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and I that. If if New Orleans had just moved up and Memphis didn't, that by Memphis moving that one spot back, that Boston would have gotten the pick. Yeah, um, yeah, Boston it was, it was a top eight protected pick. But believe me, Brian, they're thrilled. They didn't want this oh. pick. Okay, this is Who what else? I want to talk about. This is what I want to talk okay. about. It's I understand why Boston is happy, uh, 
because Memphis is probably headed into into tanking. I, I think getting John Morant is probably going to uh, get them they, to trade. They have Mike to Conley. trade Conley. They need okay. to right, before. They absolutely have to now. So, so the pick is top six protected next year, and then unprotected the year after. Right. So if you're Boston. Right. And you were looking at maybe getting the ninth pick this year versus maybe an unprotected Memphis pick when it may be back uh, way high up there in two years. I agree. But in terms of their trade package for Anthony Davis, I don't think it helped them. And here's why. Oh, because why? If That's interesting. Okay, Go because ahead. if they're competing against the Knicks and the Lakers... If I were the Lakers, New Orleans, but, you, but wait, you know that the that the New Orleans doesn't want to trade him to the Lakers and will do everything in their power not to. I agree. You and I both. And, and by the way, why not the Clippers? But go okay, on. Let's let's just go through this. If you are the are the Pelicans, okay, and you're and you're looking at your trade package evaluations, you know that if you make a deal with the Knicks, you know you're getting R.J. Barrett. Right. There's no question about it. You know that's the player you're going to get. You're not getting a nebulous. Well, this pick could be good in two years and may have some value. Maybe it'll be four in two years. Maybe it'll be seven next year. You know that you are trading for R.J. Barrett. You know exactly what you're getting. Whereas the the best pick that the Celtics can offer, you're not going to get that certainty. So while I think it, while I think the Celtics are happy, I right, don't think fine, it helped them. Okay, I don't think it helped them in, in, with Anthony but, Davis. But but your premise is incomplete. What else are you trading for? What else are you giving them for Anthony Davis? Okay, right. So the, I'm just saying that I don't think that the, that the, that the lottery helped the Celtics in their tr- oh, in their I, pursuit of Anthony Davis. I disagree. Well, I disagree, I d- I disagree I th- and I don't think it hurt them. I mean, because they still have a pick that's either top six protected or un un. You know, they, by the way, they have other picks too. We won't get into all that. We won't take everybody down that rabbit hole. But they still have assets, real assets, living, breathing assets like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward. If you're so inclined to go Agreed. along with picks, that's Agreed. The, but that's but they so. had that before. So I, I think the Knicks advance. Like I'm just saying. Like I saw some people who were really down, including. Stephen A., who practically needed um, to have a psychologist brought in, and I realized some of it was for effect for television, but um, I thought the Knicks actually came out okay. They had a much better chance of falling outside the top three than staying in the top three. They get a top three pick in a draft that a lot of people think breaks after the third pick. Right, um, right. And they well, can, I don't they disagree can, with that. I don't disagree with that. They can say but... to New Orleans, we, this pick will deliver you R.J. Barrett. This is this is who you this is who you will have if you go with this pick, and I just think that it that that's somewhat compelling. And wow. as you line up, because to me though, um, to me and McMahon, we'll talk about the Clippers in a second. To me, if you are if you are New Orleans and you're looking at those three teams, um, you look at the, the the Celtics package, which is probably Marcus Smart. I would say probably two first round draft picks. The Memphis pick, I think, would have to be included. Mm-hmm. I would certainly ask for the 14th pick in this year's draft. Um, and they would gladly uh, give it to you. They don't need Marcus, Marcus Smart and, and, and Jason Tatum. You have that package. New York could offer um, the number three pick, the picks that they got from Dallas. What, what, what years were those picks? 2021 and 2023. Okay. Unprotected and top ten protected. Okay, uh, I guess they could also get some Knicks picks. Although I think the Knicks' future looks pretty will look pretty. And bright. they've got you know they've got some interesting young prospects. Yes, Mitchell Robinson, 
Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith Jr. Okay, none of, them them are, none of them are Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. What if no. the Celtics offer both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Well, then you do the deal. That's a five-second decision. But, <laughs> but how can the Celtics possibly offer that? Well, I don't um, know that they can or that they would, by the way. I'm not speaking with any inside knowledge. I'm just I'm, what I'm saying is it's all about how many assets you have. And, and if you if you put high value on R.J. Barrett, and I, I don't know what New Orleans thinks about that, and you, you like him that much, that's great. But, but then in terms of additional assets, because it's not just one. It just can't be. He's too good a player. You've got to give me who can make the best package. You know, the Lakers, I just still don't see how it works. You might, I, might yeah, I think wrong. the Lakers, terrific. The Lakers can't make the best four. offer in L.A. Right. So, the, so the offer, so the offer that, so okay, McMahon. So the offer that the Clippers could make is, go ahead. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked at numbers to match it up, but start off with Harrell, Gilgis Alexander, Shamit, and picks, and they've got that Miami unprotected pick that's got a chance to be really valuable. Yeah. Um, their, their picks aren't as good as what could be offered by the other teams, but their quality of players are pretty good. Um, uh, I mean, Gildas Alexander's is, worth more than the fourth pick in this year's draft. He would okay, Gildas Alexander he, and Shamit are expe- they're like draft picks because they're under contract for three more years. Yeah, they're a year into a rookie deal, and they're they're proven commodities. Like they were good players on a team that took the Warriors to six games. Right, and I'll tell you, like if you're like if you've got Zion, and then you basically draft. Your starting point guard. Uh, by the way, if you got Shkodis Alexander, would also clear the way to trade Drew Holiday. Um, uh, although they could probably play together, or they could but, play uh, together. Yeah, yeah. See, um, I, I think this, Brian, if I may, I think the reason why this was a good draft for the Celtics is the Knicks didn't get Zion. <laughs> that to me is a big difference. If Zion Williamson is playing in New York, Anthony Davis might say, "You know what? Yeah, maybe I will go there." But they, okay, they have so no way to get him. They have no way to get him. Here's my retort. Um, I don't think that the Knicks would have traded Zion under any circumstances. I, I don't Davis. either. I don't either. What I'm saying is, if you're Anthony Davis and you still can leave after one year wherever you get traded, um, do you are you feeling good enough about what the Knicks have if you go there? I think the answer I don't is think no, especially tra- if you trade the th- third pick. Here, here's, the way I, here's the way I view it. I view it as if... If the Knicks had gotten the number one pick, the Knicks would have been out of business for Anthony Davis because they would not have traded the pick for Anthony Davis. So the Knicks would no longer have been a trade option. But because they didn't get the number one pick, because they got the number three pick, they are now squarely in the Anthony Davis business and competing now with the Celtics. So like I said, I don't don't think that the lottery night – I don't think it knocked the Celtics out of the box – I just don't think – I think the Celtics' chances of getting Anthony Davis were reduced by some percentage on lottery night. Um, and I think the hmm. pressure on the Celtics is going to be to include Jason Tatum before they're going to have an answer from Kyrie Irving. And well, that's that is really That's, yeah, that, that's, that's just problem. such a difficult scenario. Um, the timelines do not match up. The, 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 the timeline of the draft and the timeline of free agency don't match up. And you'd like to have clarity from Kyrie Irving, but Jackie, do you think that he will be willing to give that clarity to the Celtics? I, I well, mean, I guess so he could. yeah, I think he could. Um, but let's see. You know, we we just have to see. I mean, it, it, there's so it's a long. I, I think I said this last time. There's a long time between when Kyrie Irving last played and that that June twentieth that, that date. There's a long time in between that. 
we'll, we'll learn more about Al Horford opting in or opting out. There'll be some other things that happen. What do you so, expect him to do? I think Al's going to have to opt. I think he's going to have to take the $30 million, and here's why. I think people are very, very interested in Al Horford, and they should be because he's one of those really, you know, those players that would help any team. But there's such a rich class. He has to wait. You know, people aren't going to go for Al Horford first, I don't think. Not with Kyrie and Durant and all the others. You know, we don't need to name all the free agents yet again out there. So I think I think Al likes it here. I think he would like to stay here. Um, and I, I I think, but again, I haven't talked to him or his agent, Jason. I haven't talked to there, Jason recently. There's always the possibility that he could opt out with the intention to stay. And with a three-year shorter deal. Well, that's to me, makes the most sense, and I think that's something he'd be amenable to doing. There's no bad blood here with Al Horford. I mean, of, of all the problems the Celtics had, Al Horford was not one of them. Let me make no, that clear. His only problem was availability. When he didn't play, they, they suffered. Mm-hmm. So, so just real quick, um, the Lakers, there was a great moment for them. They had, I think, a 9% chance of getting into the top four. They hit... They will. They now have an asset that is tradable, um, or they have a, a guy that they can draft that will, you know, be a nice prospect for them. I don't know if they can get somebody that can materially change them right away. I, I don't. To be honest with you, we'd have to have Jonathan Gavoni or Mike Schmitz on here. I can't really speak on these guys. I mean, I watched uh, Culver from Texas Tech play. I, I, I watched um, the Virginia kid play Hunter. Um, yeah. I nobody saw Garland him. play. Nobody saw I, him I never, play. He only played five I never games. Saw him play. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know anything yeah. about him other than he went to Vanderbilt and and hurt his knee and then barely played. Um, so, um, I, I just I just don't know if it helps him for Anthony Davis because whether the Warriors or whether the Lakers want to um, admit this or not, Brandon Ingram, unfortunately, his value has diminished because of the blood clot. And this is what people and this is what executives in the league are telling me. And whether that's true or not, his agent may disagree. The Lakers may disagree. In fact, may not even be true. He may end up being healthy the rest of his career. His value has diminished. And I, I, I and, and and maybe a year from now, if he has a real healthy year and everything is fine, that it, it'll be completely different. But um, so it's not even the same offer that they were making before. So yes, they're, the pick that they were offering has improved dramatically. But if you're the Pelicans, you have the prime asset in this trade, even or in this uh, lottery. Even if uh, if the Lakers pick had moved up to four, and the Pelicans didn't move up, and they were still sitting at eight, I think it was a different conversation. But because the Pelicans also moved up and now have Zion, I think that that jumping of the fourth pick has even less interest, especially if they can also trade for the number three pick if they really wanted to and get. Um, you know, a lot of people think is a better player, and um, even that's even independent of the bad blood that exists between the organizations. Right. So let me ask you this question, though, because you know David pretty well, and I haven't weighed in with David yet, although I will, like everybody else, I'm sure. Uh, this idea that they keep him and wait till the February deadline, try to give him some a few months with Zion and see if it'll work. What do you make of that? I mean, I know, that, like, I know that Anthony Davis's campus says, look, no, we're out. Right. We're never going to stay. But just right. what, do you, you know, what do you think of that? That's the Kobe Bryant strategy, which is what they did right. with uh, yeah. the Lakers did with Kobe. They ended up trading for Powell, and they made the finals. Right. Um, uh, you know, David is an optimist by nature. This is a guy who was completely convinced that the Cavs were going to win the finals when they were down 3-1. 
Um, and I think I think it really comes down to this, Jackie. If they like their trade offers, then they, they make a trade. If they mm-hmm. don't like their trade offers, I think it's a legitimate possibility that they could wait because they. I think Davis can, unless I'm wrong, I'd have to ask Bobby Marks on the rules, but I think that Davis can sign that extension um, any time until June 30th. I think year. that's correct. I think that is correct. So, like, they just could, sitting there waiting for him. Yep. Right. You know, they could have a, uh, they could have a, um, a giant winning streak, and or they could get the fourth seed or something next year. And Davis could be like, you know what? Or if things go south and you and you get to January and Davis is still unhappy and still wants to get moved, you could trade him at the deadline. I agree. What you'd be getting would be less, but you would have well, given yourself an opportunity to make it work. I don't know that he loses that much value because whoever's trading him, it's not like they're saying, "Oh well, you know, we didn't get uh, we didn't get the first few months of the season." Whoever's trading him at that point is trading to keep him for a long, long time. Like I don't. I, the one thing is maybe you knock the potential like uh, OKC Paul George scenarios out of the bidding. You know, the the teams who say, "Hey, we'll take him on a one year rental and." And try to convince them. Maybe you knock those teams out, but you're still going to have multiple bidders. So I don't know that that the value is going to decrease much, if any. Yeah, the the immediacy and the the urgency to trade them by February, um, you you always lose leverage when you have to make a deal instead of want to make a deal. That's just right. You also know you you will have your draft order. You know who is in this draft, and you say, okay, if we're making a deal with that team, we know we can get this player. Whereas if in, in February you won't know, so that certainty, I think, has value. Um, and I, and J- Jackie, like your point about that Memphis pick, that has been made to mm-hmm. me very strongly about why that pick is is now better than it was, um, mm-hmm. better than it was four days ago, because much better, you know, yeah, the, the chances it can go. But but I look at it as I know I can get R.J. Barrett. I know right, exactly right, right. who I'm getting. And I just think but so let's 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 look at it this way. Let's just say, for argument's sake, for whatever reason, let's say Kyrie Irving's already told him, "I'm out, see ya." And now, do you still want Anthony Davis? Because your your whole selling point to Anthony Davis was, "We got your boy Kyrie here. You guys, will, you know, you'll be the, a great one-two punch. We can win it all with the two of you." So if we just play along and say, "All right, Kyrie's gone." And which I'm still not 100 percent convinced of, but you know that might. Well, I, this I is just, late in the podcast because we have to go to do this. Yeah. But remember, Anthony Davis may not be the only star player who's available by trade. Exactly. He'll be, anyway, he'll be the best star player who's available. Right. By so trade, that's one thing. And and the other thing is, if you're the Celtics and you decide to hang on to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and the guys you have going forward because you think you can do something with that, then that pick becomes valuable to maybe in a different way. That's all. Right. All right. Well, we've got to get going. Um, McMahon and I have to not do anything. Take a nap. Because, yeah, actually, Jeez, I got to go get my dad at the airport. Douglas Arthur Boyle graduating from the University of New Hampshire on Saturday. Very big day oh, for the Boyle Oh, congrats family. to Doug. Oh, yeah, well, Doug, I got to give a shout-out to my graduate, too. Oh, yeah? Go Finley ahead. Mae McMahon's graduating from Shady Grove Elementary next week. Wow, congratulations. Finley, what a great name. I love that name, Tim. It's okay. a great name for a daughter. And Very Finley, great name. Uh, um, Finley, you know, you're going to miss Game 5 uh, for that, is that for that graduation. Is that right, McMahon? That is accurate, yes. But what if there is no Game 5? Then I won't miss it. Come on, Blazers. Give us a series. Um, and McMahon, <laughs> make McMahon miss the game. 
Um, all right. Thank you for listening to the, the uh, Hoop Collective podcast. We will talk to you again next week. Who knows what will happen in the league between now and then.